Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the only daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, available on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday, where the Pelicans do have a game tonight coming up against the Portland Trailblazers, 9 p.m. Central, and we'll touch on that one towards the end of the podcast, but man, there's a lot more to talk about today than I would have expected, and a lot of that has to do with a long-rumored trade partner of the New Orleans Pelicans and trade target in Eric Bledsoe and basically shit just hit the fan yesterday and that exploded into what's kind of sad when you think about the Suns like it's it's really a mess there and then the whole tweet situation of what he said and what his excuse for where he was uh and when he tweeted it is pretty pretty damn funny there's no other way like I'm laughing as I'm thinking about it here there's no other way to kind of go about it other than it laugh because it's such a mess and this is kind of what people thought the Pelicans were going to be like. And they're not, which is a good thing. So we're going to talk about Bledsoe. We're going to talk about fit there. And I'm going to throw this idea out there to you all. Should he be the number one trade target or should the Pelicans be looking at a different direction? I actually think they might need to and they should be okay with what they have right now. But we're going to talk all about that. I want to talk a little bit more about Ian Clark and the off-ball movement and what he's brought to the team and the rotation and role for this roster and where I think maybe makes the most sense what they should do potentially tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. But of course, as I say that, they won't. So we'll cover that. We'll touch on the game as well. So a number of different topics in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by SeatGeek. So I'm going to lead off with Bledsoe today because, frankly, this is what I've been asked the most recently, whether it's through texts, DMs, emails, tweets, and it's been fairly frequently. And look, this guy was a player that the Pelicans were linked to this offseason, um, potentially to trade for. They signed Rondo. Those kind of rumors quieted down um, for the team. But certainly this is a player that's been on their radar and is probably on their radar right now. The question then becomes, do they have the assets uh, to bring them in versus other teams? And I'll talk about that in a minute. But for those who don't know, the Suns fired their head coach. They look like a disaster at 0-3, getting blown out by the Trailblazers in the opener, I think it was, and then losing to the Lakers. And we saw, you know, at times last the other night how bad the Lakers are. So it goes to show you how bad this Suns team is. They're just kind of dysfunction and it comes it, this one definitely stems from their owner uh, I think we've seen that here enough with the team uh that you know stinky franchise situations I don't know why he's that word um usually stems from ownership so being kind of rotten up top and it's kind of a top-down issue something to keep in mind 
Uh, but anyway, so, you know, the other day after all of this looks ugly, he Eric Bledsoe tweets out, I don't want to be here. As simple as that. And, it, you know, let, let off the kind of firestorm Twitter runs with it. Twitter's fun. Um, so you, you get the jokes made and everything. And then supposedly he met with ownership, the GM, McDonough, uh, the other day and told them that, no, he was getting his hair done and at a hair salon when he tweeted that. And it had nothing to do with the state of the franchise, the city of Phoenix, playing for the Suns or anything like that. <laughs> Think about that one for a second. His excuse was, I was at the hair salon and I just tweeted out, I don't want to be here. No, this is entirely about the team, and he's not wrong. He shouldn't want to be there. They're on a different timeline than he is. They are a young team. They've got a lot of young, potentially good talent. We don't know yet uh, with some of them, but he's 27. He's got a very unique skill set that is very defined in the right role. And, you know, if you're him, you don't want to be there waiting for two or three years to make the playoffs and potentially finally get in with that team when you're in your 30s. You want to go somewhere now. If, you, if you're him, get get the hell out of there while you can. So, you know, now you've got teams kind of circling the the, the corpse, I guess, uh, that is the Phoenix Suns, that are the Phoenix Suns. And you've got to try and figure out a trade to get him out of there. And the question is, is he, you know... Um, the, the situation here is, is he actually valuable right now? Because you have like a Kyrie situation where you kind of had to trade him, though you could really just keep him and just say too bad and tough it out. You know, his value, I don't know if it can get much lower. So the Suns, in no rush to really move him, in my opinion, should hold out for as long as possible because worst case is you just send him home and who cares? It's like when the then Hornets deactivated Chris Kamen, it was just screw it. But in this case, he's a young, he's a starter. He'd help a lot of teams. And, you know, if I were them, I'd be holding out for at least a first-round pick. And the question is just, does he command that right now because of the toxic situation there? And I don't really know. Over, in general, overall, I can tell you this. The Pelicans are going to have to include a first-round pick if they want to try and bring him in, even though other teams may not. The Suns, in exchange for Bledsoe, are going to want a young player. A guy that can develop and maybe fits their timeline a little bit more, maybe a little bit ahead of it. But, you know, one, the Pelicans don't have that. Their best option would be Czech Diallo. And again, this is a guy who can't get minutes on a team that's in desperate need of a third big. Keep in mind what I just said there in a moment here. It's like foreshadowing. So you've got this young guy who may or may not be good in Diallo, but you need to make salaries match. Bledsoe's getting about $13.5-$14 million this year. So basically you need a package of something along the lines of, say, Etwan Moore, Alexia Jinsa, and Shaq Diallo for Bledsoe. To move a Jinsa's contract in general, you're going to need to attach a future pick. Likely a set first or at least a second, but you're not trading him into space. You're not trading him into an exception, and you're not getting anything back for him that's of value. You're not going to get a pick for a Jinsa. Trust me, this team doesn't want him here. They basically have told them, like, we're trying to trade you. They haven't traded him yet, which means they're not able to do so. Because trust me, if they could trade a Jinsa for something, they would have by now. And so... They haven't. So if you're including his salary in a trade for Bledsoe, you're going to need to give that team incentive for taking him on. Boom. 
that could be where that first round pick comes from. And even then, that might not be enough. You have Denver that could be looking for a really established point guard, though they just got rid of Jameer Nelson. Um, and Eric Bledsoe kind of fits that bill. There's a few other teams. The Cavs would certainly love to get him. So it's going to take a lot. And basically any package or offer the Pelicans can put out there, likely another team could beat unless they include two future first-round picks in there, which all of a sudden this price is all you know getting kind of steep and high. And you've got to wonder if that's really what you want. But Bledsoe would be a good pickup for the Pelicans. Him in the backcourt with Holiday would work. You know, he would fill that kind of Jameer Nelson, Rajon Rondo role uh, while Holiday continues to work off ball here. And that would be good. You know, I think obviously Holiday needs something like that. You need someone who can push and break this defense. And we saw Nelson do a lot of that last night where, okay, you couldn't make an entry pass. So he just goes, screw it. And he's going to attack and try and create something. Holiday doesn't do that successfully. Other guys on this team don't do that successfully. So it makes a lot of sense to get a player in like um, Eric Bledsoe, who's capable of doing that, who can hit that extra gear and get to the rim and really break things down. And, you know, unfortunately, Holiday's not able to do that. And he's going to be better than Jameer Nelson, though you would like to keep Nelson. Uh, so the fit's there, and it would kind of be a difference maker of an acquisition that I've talked about here where nothing really moves the needle for the Pelicans. Bringing in Eric Bledsoe absolutely would be the... Um, Absolutely would be a needle mover for this team. However, I think there's a big needle mover elsewhere, which I'm going to touch on after the break here. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. And with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. It's really that easy. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Shop with confidence. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician or anything, really. There's all sorts of live events there on SeatGeek. And SeatGeek will help you get closer to the action for great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually used SeatGeek the other day to get tickets to the Saints and uh, Bears game coming up. I got friends in town. Super easy, great price. You know, SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites. I didn't have to go to all these different places. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, it's all fully guaranteed. Like I said, shop with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app today and enter the promo code LONBA. That's promo code LONBA for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase and make sure that you get in on the action that you want to see. So before that, I was talking about how, you know, while Bledsoe is an ideal and attractive trade target and is certainly on the block and maybe, maybe someone the Pelicans could go out and get, I think there's a greater need for him. And, you know, it's it's not in the backcourt. Now that you have Jameer Nelson in, you have to feel a little bit better about all of that. We saw, you know, what looked very good last night or the other night for the Pelicans. Uh, but what they need, more so than another guard now that you have Nelson in, is likely a big. They're really kind of running two, two and a half, 
in a sense, you have Anthony Davis, who's playing nearly, let's round up, 40 minutes per game. You have DeMarcus Cousins playing 36 minutes per game. And then you have Dante Cunningham playing 27 minutes per game. And that's really it. You don't have uh, – Ajinsa hasn't played in the game this year. He's out for a couple of weeks. Oshik, we don't even know. He's not traveling with the team to away games right now. Um, and then you have Czech Diallo, who not playing in the D-League. Well, they haven't started their season. Um, but has played one game for one minute, and you guys know what stats he's totaled elsewhere? Zeros all across the board. He's a Club Trillion member. So one minute played if you look at the box score, and then all zeros followed by it. That's – not good. And, you know, you need probably another big to ease the burden on these two guys. Things go really poorly when one of them's out off the court, and that's to be expected. But a lot of that has to be because you don't really have other good lineups to kind of trot out there. And when you look at Dante Cunningham, um, I'm looking at the, his main lineup that he plays 26 minutes per game with. Or per, so he plays 26 and a half minutes per game. Over half of that is spent with the starters in Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, Davis, and Cousins. And then the next most used lineup basically just subs out um, Cousins for Clark. So, yeah, more than half of his minutes are being played as basically a small forward and not the backup big. So you need another big that can calm things down for the Pels when they're out on the court. You know, Cunningham's kind of in that weird tweener range. And, you know, maybe using your future first-round picks, which they need to trade, basically, to bring someone else in, um, you have to figure maybe it's better for a big than it would be for Bledsoe. Plus, you might not be competing with as many other people. You don't necessarily need to put in uh, two future firsts. But it's certainly something to keep an eye on. The big rotation is a concern. Unless they can get another wing or something along those lines, or you trust um, Miller a whole lot more uh, to go out there and play that, you have Cunningham playing the three when he is better suited for the four, and he's playing out of position a little bit. And he's not even that great at the four, and we've seen it. He hasn't played particularly well. He doesn't really give you anything you know, offensively, which is kind of a shame. You want to like this guy so much, but he just isn't that good he's shooting 22 percent from three so far this season he doesn't get to the line you need something else to get into the line geez that's another thing by the way that's going to be for another day where we need to talk about that where basically davis and cousins are the only guys getting the line you make a claim you want to just trade for blood so based on that alone that he can draw free throws but anyway i digress here but a big that can also get to the line and can grab rebounds and play well in backup minutes might be a really important thing for the Pelicans to kind of eye down the road right now because, frankly, you can't have Davis and Cousins doing this, and it's better at this point to keep them together on the court than stagger them. I've talked about this a lot recently um, over the past month or two where I thought it seemed like the team didn't want to stagger them. They want to keep them both out there on the court and make the most of those minutes together. And with this lack of backup big, you know, for the team and the other skilled big men that you could have out there, you have to stagger them so that one's playing center at least all the time. And it takes away from your most effective lineups. And that's an important thing. Maybe you need to get another backup power forward or center who can go in there and take a lot of those minutes so that you don't have to then, you know, move uh, Dante into another spot or you're going to have him play with this other guy out there. You guys get what I'm saying is I'm losing my train of thought to play that way so that then, yeah, you know, you can make the most effective lineup and keep Davis and Cousins paired together because that's when this team has looked absolutely dominant. 
Let's shift gears and talk about actual on-court things. And I wrote about it yesterday on LockedOnPelicans.com. I want you all to go over there and check it out. And just check out the site in general. This is the first week that the team of writers and the group over there is going to ha- be having their own individual articles. And you'll start to see our plan and vision for the site. But they're going to be doing a lot of hard work. Give them a read. It's going to make you a smarter Pelicans fan. You want content every day. Come on. You can't listen to the podcast while you're at work. Kill a couple of minutes reading some you know, great insight into the Pelicans over at LockdownPelicans.com. But I wrote about, and it was um, Ian Clark, and I teased it yesterday for you all, where he works so well off the ball, and I'm trying to figure out the best way you really want him in with this team, whether is it as a starter or a scoring punch off the bench. And this is kind of leading me to an interesting rotation where maybe this will work, maybe it doesn't. I'm not entirely sure. But we'll see. But anyway, Ian Clark works well off the ball because, one, he's willing to, which is something the Pelicans don't always do here. But what I have two two videos in there. Watch what he does. He stays level with the ball, the ball handler at all times. When looking to make a kick-out pass or a pass out onto the perimeter for an open three, the the guy on the perimeter, the one who's going to be doing the spot-up shooting – needs to be level with the ball. That's really important. Angles, when it comes to passing in the NBA, are very vital. When you're on the same plane as the ball, the same level as the ball, you can make an easy pass. That pass is likely going to be shorter. You need less velocity to get it there. Um, and it was, it's again, just real, it's much easier. And I have two examples of Ian Clark doing this where he's kind of ping ponging back and forth, stays level with the ball, gets the easy kick out pass, and then is able to make an open three for the team. That kind of off ball movement's important too. There were possessions against the Lakers where Davis would get double teamed down low and no one would move to even simply be the outlet pass, the kick out for him. That's not good. At least that kind of ball movement needs to be in the case. And Ian Clark, if he's going to be the only one doing this, needs to get more run with the starters. So the question then is, how do you integrate him in to play with the starters while also needing his kind of scoring punch with the bench? This bench has looked bad at times when you only have one of Davis or Cousins out there or none, which is rare. And they need someone to handle the rock and score, and Ian Clark can be that guy. But at the same point, he's so valuable. And then with the addition of Jameer Nelson, do you put him in the starting lineup with Drew Holiday? Or I don't think you do just yet, actually, because, again, defensively, he can uh, hurt you a little bit. I actually like the idea of Drew and each one more still starting. Sure, with Dante. Let's just talk about two guards here right now. And then bringing Jameer Nelson as that first sub in off the bench that we saw. And he can come in for Dante Cunningham, and all of a sudden you're running three guards with these two bigs with a guy able to pull the strings for this offense. And then eventually you sub in Ian Clark for each one more while still having all those guys out there, the rest of them. You're going to have Drew, Jameer, uh, Clark, Davis Cousins. That can potentially be a very strong scoring unit. You have Jameer Nelson, again, being your veteran point guard, handling everything. Holiday working off ball. And when he cut and got a pass and scored, looked good the other night. It was too few and far between, but he looked good doing that. You have Ian Clark able to properly space the court. He's a guy that when you want to go with a post-up or ISO for Davis or Cousins, particularly when maybe only one of them's on the court and they're going to get double or triple teamed, he'll rotate over, be there for the pass, which you saw too little of, Last night, which was very disappointing. But he can do that. He can help in that way. That's my guard rotation right now. Then when you sub out Davis or Cousins, whichever one comes out first, you're able to then insert Dante Cunningham, who just had a short rest. 
uh, back into the lineup or just slide him over depending on how you want to, if you want to do more than one sub at a time. And it kind of, you know, hides some of the depth issues that this team has. And I think that's the way to go right now unless they make a trade for someone else. But that's kind of what I want to see against Portland. They've got some guys and threats on the perimeter that are a little bit scary. A lot of people are complaining about Tony Allen not getting enough minutes right now. I think that's okay because... Again, he, he's shown he can actually still score. He did pretty well the other night. But this coaching staff does not trust him yet. You can see that. They don't know if he's got much left in the tank, and they're worried about the shooting. They don't want to be playing four on five when this offense starts to slog already. It's even easier to defend. That's when you see Davis and Cousins turn this ball over a lot. So we're, it's going to be curious. This you know Portland game might give us a better idea of what the actual rotation for this team may be. But certainly you need to get Ian Clark more and more minutes. He's been playing incredibly well. Maybe you want him with the starters, but I can see him being valuable with that bench unit too. Let him be the main guy there. Particularly if he is out there with one of the bigs, his off-ball movement will ease things up on them. Again, if they can only be double-teamed instead of triple-teamed, that's a win, I think, for the Pelicans. But we'll find out. So quickly as a bit of a preview for this game, Portland is two in one. And, you know, they have two wins over the Suns and the Pacers in dominant fashion, but those aren't particularly good teams. And then the one good team they've played in Milwaukee, they just lost to. Um, how, you know, so it, it, again, there's still a lot of noise. It's tough to kind of make predictions or really look at anything after just three games, Pelicans included, though we're doing it here. Um, they do a few things, while well, the, the Pelicans, I think, might actually be able to negate. You've got Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum in the backcourt, obviously being their biggest threats, their best players. And, you know, Holiday should be able to handle one of those. And then the other one, if they're kind of being funneled into Davis and or Cousins, should be okay. Both those guys do light it up from deep, so that perimeter defense is going to need to be stout. Maybe you see more Tony Allen. I think this might be where you see, you know, each one more getting some more minutes on those guys. But everyone else, the Pelicans should be able to handle. Yusuf Nurkic, while a good center and a, a good guy up front, isn't, you know, the best. He's not shooting well this year. He's averaging 13 points per game. But, I mean, Davis and Cousins should be able to handle him. Uh, Portland grabs a gobload of offensive rebounds so far this year. But, again, Davis and Cousins should be able to do it, though the Pelicans are 19th in, def- in defensive rebounding percentage. You know, it looks like maybe Portland has an advantage there, but this is, again, so early in the season. It's all just noise. and doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I don't know really what to make of this team. They've just played bad people, so I don't really want to give you guys a preview. But, you know, the, the backcourt scares me a little bit, but I'm not scared of Aminu having a big offensive game. I'm not really worried about Pat Connaughton doing that either or Mo Harkless. You know, as long as they can kind of control one of Willard and McCollum, it, the other guys are going to need to beat him, and I think those other guys – don't have a good matchup for the Pelicans, so we'll see how it goes. You know, Portland has the number one offense, but the Bells' defense in transition has looked terrible. But um, in the half court, it hasn't, and it's looked okay. So I really, you know, don't know what to think here. And Portland plays with a slower pace than most other teams do. So, you know, maybe the Pels have this one. This is kind of going to be a good little measuring stick to see whether they play well or not. This is a team that's kind of right at their you know, level. So we should get a much better feel for them after this game. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll have the recap up tomorrow for you all. Talk about some other topics. Might have a guest on later this week. So I'm excited for it. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to check out LockedOnPelicans.com. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. I'll be with you all next time.
What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop! At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS, wireless, figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.